is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. As I've begun to uh, pray recently about what I shall be preaching on in this next season, I had planned to do a series on Daniel. And, uh, and we still are going to do a series on Daniel, uh, which I've called Faith at Work. And uh, much of that is, is similar to what Tim was uh, talking about, and influencing culture and making a difference where you are, be it that where you live or work or study or hang out with friends, actually how you can make a real difference uh, for Jesus in that sort of environment. And I do, I do want us to come back to that series, and I've, as I started to repair that, I really got into that, and I've started to enjoy studying through Daniel, but I didn't feel it was right for just now, as in the next few weeks. And as I've been praying and asking God, what is it you want us to, to look at now over these next few weeks, I really felt that God wants to remind us uh, of for why we are here. No, why, why we exist, if you like, as a church, what it is that we should be up to. Suggest to us that it is very easy for churches to become quite, I guess the word is consumerist. And uh, when you're a small church, when you're a church plant, when there's 20, 25 of you in a cold school hall, you don't have that danger. You know, you, you, everyone there has to be doing something because you've got there, you've set the chairs up, you've, you've cleared away the dinner tables or whatever else was going on in the school and you're very focused on why you exist as a group of people. But as that church starts to get larger, then there's a danger ahead that, that is a danger for every church, which is you can just become a bit comfortable. And that's particularly a danger when you've got a nice venue like we've got and you've got really comfy chairs, like you've got. And, uh, you know, you can look around and think, actually, it's, we're doing okay. You know, there are more people than we used to have. Uh, and it's, you know, it's good on a Sunday morning. And we can run some great kids' work and youth work and serve uh, our children and young people. And we can do some other stuff. And it's sort of okay. And sometimes it's easy for churches, when it gets to that sort of size, you think, well, you can just sort of take your foot off the pedal a little bit and think, Ah, we're doing all right. And it's very easy at that stage for churches to become quite consumerist. You know, you can just turn up and stuff happens. And uh, I want to suggest for us that is a danger that is ahead for us. Now, this is not a rebuking word saying this is where we're at. This is a word that says up ahead on the road, there's a hole in it. And if we're not careful, we're going to fall in it. But if we're careful and we're sharp and we look at what we're doing, then we can navigate around it and avoid it and avoid the danger that's up ahead. So in that context, I want to what it what it's all about, what, what we're doing. Does that make sense to you? Is that okay? So that's what we're going to do this morning and that's what we're going to do over the next uh, few weeks, uh, next two or three weeks, I guess, as we look at some of these subjects together. Why don't we pray, and uh, then we'll start into this and have a look at what the Bible says to help us along the way. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your presence with us. We thank you 
so much, Lord, that we can worship you. Thank you for that wonderful privilege we have. And God, we pray now as we look at these things together that uh, you would help us. You'd help us to be aware of the dangers ahead, to avoid them, and to build a great church that honours you, that really makes a difference in this city and beyond, sees many people saved and added into your kingdom, and as we've been talking about, sees culture transformed for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I want to talk about is gathering. So if you're making notes, that's your title, gathering. I want to talk about gathering. Now, the gathering is what we do here on a Sunday, isn't it? We gather, we come together, we meet together. You're here. You know, we we gather together. It's what we do in smaller groups. We'll be relaunching life groups again in September. So we'll be once again meeting in midweek in small groups uh, right across the city again from September onwards. And and gathering in itself is not bad. Gathering in and of itself is a good thing. And uh, needs to be encouraged. We should gather in small groups and in large groups as well. And you think about one of the first things that Jesus did when he started his ministry is he gathered a group of people together, didn't he? He gathered the 12 to him. So Mark tells us in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Mark says this, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designated them to be apostles. So he called people to himself. He called a group of people. They gathered to him. 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six. Paul says, when you come together, the assumption being is that you do come together, you do gather, and he goes on to give some instructions. So the assumption is, as Christians, we will gather together be it in a small or large context. I would suggest both are good. So the question might be is, can you be a Christian and not gather? Can you be a Christian and not meet together with other Christians? Well, it depends what you mean. If the question is this, if the question is, can you as an individual put your trust in Jesus, ask him to forgive your sins, and cleanse them, and guarantee that when you die, you'll go to heaven. Can you do that and not gather? The answer is yes. Yes, you can. Because that's about your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with God. Only you can make that choice to follow him. So yes, you can do that and not gather. However, if if your question is, can you be a disciple of Jesus as the New Testament intends, as well as asking him for you to forgive your sin and trust in him personally. Can you do that and not gather? The answer is no, you can't. Because as you read the New Testament, time and time again, we come across this little phrase which talks about being saved and added. You would have heard me speak of it many times, I'm sure, if you've been around Jubilee for a while. Saved and added, the two go together. So you had people that responded to the gospel, responded to the preaching of the good news. They're saved and then they're added in, added into the local church, added into a gathered expression of people who are following Jesus as his disciples. So my question is this, have you been added or are you just attending? Have you been added in 
Or are you just attending? Now, it may be that you're new to Jubilee. You're just looking in. You're thinking, I'm not sure. I just want to see if this is the place for me. That's great. You're very welcome if you're with us. And you're, you've got that in your mind, thinking, I just want to see if this is the right place for me. But let me encourage you, don't spend too long working that out. Because actually, the New Testament intends for you to be saved and added in very quickly to a local expression, a body of believers who are following Jesus. You found out people were saved and added straight away. And if you're just looking and thinking, I just want to say this is the right place for me, then it's right you spend you know, two or three weeks just being to suss that out, praying, asking God for his wisdom. But listen, don't leave it too long. Don't leave it too long. Don't just be an attender. Be added in. Because that's what the Bible intends. It's what the Bible intends for you. For you to follow Jesus in such a way that you're part of a family of Christians together who are following him. So we gather to God. We gather together. And I'm going to talk about this today and over the next two or three weeks. There's this idea of gathering. Because gathering in and of itself isn't bad. It's what happens when you do gather. Now, it's not that we gather just because we happen to like the same music or we gather because, you know, just some of your friends might come and think, oh, that's a good reason for going. Actually, we gather with purpose. We gather with purpose. We gather to God in order to worship. We gather to God then that we might grow. And we gather to God then in order that we might go. We gather to worship, to grow, and to go. And by go, I mean reaching out. Influencing culture, as Tim was talking about a little earlier. I thought he was going to start preaching for one moment, and I wonder whether I get a word in edgeways. But the conference was very good, and I'm pleased he's inspired by it. Well, we'll look at some of those themes over the next couple of weeks. But that's what we're going to look at. What is our purpose in gathering? Because there is a purpose in it. And we need to be very clear on what that purpose is in order that as we grow and we're trusting God, we'll continue to do so. The hole in the road ahead that says, it's just easy, it's just nice, just come, it's, you know, you can just look and attend and watch. In order that we can avoid that hole, go round it and continue on in what God has for us, which is great things we trust in this city and beyond. So the first reason then to gather is to worship God. We're in a gathering to him. Not gathering to me, not gathering to the band, not even gathering to a venue, but rather we're gathering to God. It's him we're coming to, isn't it? Do you agree? You can sort of nod and you look enthusiastic if you wish. That's great. Very encouraging for a preacher when a congregation do that. So the first reason we gather to worship God. We're gathering to him. We're coming to him. Jesus, as we said, gathered the disciples to himself, didn't he? They encountered him. The disciples encountered Jesus. And as we gather to God, we should encounter him. We should encounter God as we gather to him. Is worship for you just about singing a few songs that appear on the, uh, the excessively large screen behind me? Or is it about encountering God? It's about encountering him, isn't it? It's about encountering his presence. See, worship is not... Just watching the bands. It's not just singing some songs. It's not even just having some good contributions. You might think, Graham, you're always on about contributions. What do you mean? Surely we want that. Well, yes, we do want that. 
But actually, it's all about encountering God. They are a vehicle to help us to encounter God. That's why we sing songs, to help our, help our worship so we might encounter him. That's why contributions help us to encounter him. They're not an end in themselves. They're helping us to encounter the living God. So we worship God because he's worthy, don't we? In 2 Samuel 22, David sings this song. He says, or sings, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. Then the other end of scripture, you've got Revelation 5, 11. says, then I looked, this is John speaking, and heard the voice, he says, of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. We worship God because he is worthy of it. Amen. We want to encounter him. We want to go after his presence. It's not wrong to go after God's presence. It's absolutely right to go after the presence of God's. Let me make some comments about presence. There are two types, if you like, of God's presence. The first is omnipresence. And by that, I mean God is everywhere. Omnipresence. There's nowhere you can't go. There's nowhere you can go and God isn't there. God is everywhere. The psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. God is everywhere. His omnipresence. But as well as God's omnipresence, in Scripture we also find God's manifest presence. God's manifest presence. And this is God's particular presence. Here and now, in a certain space, in a certain time, a certain place. So for example, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we read that when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord, or you might say his manifest presence, filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. That is God's manifest presence. That's his particular presence in a certain place. And that that had such an impact that the priests couldn't do what they needed to do. They couldn't get in because the glory of the Lord filled the place. Moses, for example, in Exodus 33, says he, he doesn't want to go anywhere without God's presence. And you might think, well, what does that mean? God is everywhere. Yes, he is. And Moses is talking about God's manifest presence. He wants to experience God. He wants to know that he's met with God. He wants to encounter God. I wonder, are we that fussy? Moses, is, Moses was saying, listen, I'm not going anywhere, Lord, without your presence. Do we say that? Do you wake up in the morning thinking, God, I want to encounter your presence now. I don't want to go anywhere without you. Is that your first thought? Or is your first thought, ah, where's the snooze button? (laughs) As you sort of fight for the alarm clock and throw it across the room at some unearthly hour when it starts bleeping on a Monday morning. (laughs) Or is that just me? Maybe. We want to encounter God, don't we? And we should be like Moses saying, Lord, I don't want to go anywhere without your presence, without your manifest presence, without me encountering you. And as we worship, we want to encounter God. In the Bible, you read about people who encountered God. 
and result of that encounter was a changed life. I mean, let's think about it for a moment. Could we really encounter God and not have our lives changed? There'd be a dynamic going on, wouldn't there? If you're encountering God, encountering his presence, his power, his beauty, his majesty, his glory, his splendor, his mercy, his grace, it's going to make a difference in your life, isn't it? Don't you think? It is. And as we worship God, we want to be encountering him in order that he might change our lives. We worship him because he's worthy of it, but the byproduct of that worship, the benefit to us, what we receive from God as we worship him, is the opportunity to encounter him. And as we do that, our lives are changed. Who wants that? Come on, that's why we, that's why we gather, isn't it? We gather to worship God, and as we do that, we encounter him. So let me make some comments about how we should be encountering God as we gather. What it means, well, how we should be worshipping him. A few things to help us on our way in this. Gathering is not just about worship, but first of all, it's about worship. It's about encountering God. Then gathering is about growing in him. We'll look at that next week. And then gathering is about going, about God sending us. But let me make some comments about Gathering to worship, gathering to encounter him. The first is this. How do we do it? Number one, come ready to worship. On a Sunday, as we gather together, maybe midweek as we gather in smaller groups later in the year, come ready to worship. Come ready to worship. And two things in this. The first thing is this. Come on time. Come ready to worship and come on time. If you were going to see the Queen next week, if you got home and found that you'd missed some posts and there on your doormat was an invitation from the Queen to have tea at Buckingham Palace next Thursday afternoon at four o'clock, you'd probably do all you could to get there. And I guarantee you would make sure you were early. You wouldn't want to miss it, would you? You know, if you've got that opportunity, you think, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get an early train. I'm going to get down there on time. I'm going to get to the right place. Not, so I'm not rushing in at just, just barely, barely four o'clock. But you'd make an effort to get there on time, wouldn't you? Because that would, would honour her. And it would mean that you could have a good experience as you met with her. You see where I'm going with this, don't you? <laughs> Listen, we have an invitation from the King of Kings to worship him. Friends, I want to graciously urge us, please, (laughs) to make sure that we're here on time. Because I believe it does two things. Firstly, it honours God. And secondly, it does this. This is very important. Secondly, it honours visitors. Because visitors tend to get here early. If you're visiting here this morning, maybe it's your first time, I want to say welcome. Thank you for being here. Give me just a moment while I just talk to the church (laughs) for a a second. Um, It honours visitors because they typically get here early because they're not sure where they're going. Where am I going to park? How am I going to get there? Uh, You know, I just want to check it out and make sure they're here. They get here early. And they they come in and I I know because I'm often here early and and I see people come and they sort of put their head around the door and look around and think, you can see it on their face. If you could see what's on people's mind, if you saw a sort of light bulb that lit up above their head, it would say this, wow, where is everybody? They sort of come in and think, Oh, am I in the right room? 
And you can you think, oh, have I got the right place? Is it really Sunday? Have I got the right time? <laughs> and then after a while, we sort of, you know, drift in and, uh, and make a start. I don't think that honours people well. So can I encourage us, please, to, to work hard at this, to be here early and also to be welcoming to visitors. It is great when I get feedback, as I often do, from people saying it was really friendly. People talked to me. I felt really welcomed. You might not think that's a big deal. Listen, it is a huge deal. I often hear stories of people going to churches and no one talking to them, not being welcomed. That's, that's just wrong. Listen, let's make sure we're here early, we're greeting people. You know, if you go somewhere, you want there to be a bit of an atmosphere, don't you? You want to be able to buzz in the place, you think something's going to happen. When you come into a room like this and there's sort of three other people, you're thinking, you think, oh, is anything going to happen? Have I even got the right day? Let's work hard on that. Let's make sure we're here on time, ready to engage with God, but also making sure we're welcoming people, making sure they feel part of us. But as well as that, come prepared in your hearts. I remember hearing a, a Christian speaker a few years ago tell a story of what it was like in his house sometimes on a Sunday morning. Maybe you can relate to this. You know, the alarm would go off. He and his wife would get up. And something would go wrong and they'd trip over some toys on the landing and shout at the kids and then something else would go wrong and the toaster would blow up and they would try and get the kids dressed and they'd get a bit, bit sort of, you know, stressed about that and then they notice the time, oh no, I need to be here early and it's running late again and sort of throw the kids in the car, sort of throw some cornflakes in after them and sort of, you know, barely get put in a jumper on as they, they left the house rushing to church at the last minute, trying to get there, trying to get there early to, to welcome visitors and, uh, you know, speeding along and the wife says, do you know what speed you're doing? And sort of the husband is saying, oh, it is fine, and sort of sails through a red light and then sort of, you know, thinks, oh, I need to get there and then there's no parking space and, and the wife says, look, I told you we should have got there early and, and he says, look, well, well, I just couldn't and then there's a bit of aggro about this and, and then the kids start arguing in the back and it's, be quiet, we're going to go to church, you know, and they sort of, you know, find a parking space just at the last minute, the last one, right on the very edge of the road, cram the car in there, sort of pull the kids out, get the last cornflakes down them, running into church, it's already started, they rush into the meeting, the band's going, they're there, immediately, we worship you Lord, we love you Jesus. There's a bit of disconnect, isn't there? Can you relate to that? I'm sure we've all been there sometimes. He told the story (laughs) far better than I could. But listen, it's sometimes like that, isn't it? But it shouldn't always be like that. Let's come prepared in our hearts to worship the King of Kings. Let's come prepared to give. I don't just mean financially, although that's part of our worship, but give of ourselves as well. Give of ourselves to God, to one another, to those who are visiting. Come ready to worship. Number two, come expectant to meet with God. What do you expect to happen as we gather? Probably if you don't expect very much, probably not much will happen for your, your encountering God. But Paul says in the 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Eagerly desire. So I want to urge us, come expectant to meet with God. He wants to meet with us. It's not that we have to persuade him. So come expectant to meet with him. Come ready to worship. Come expectant. And come wanting to participate as well. Thirdly, come wanting to participate. Now the reality is, 
not all of us will get a chance to bring something, maybe from the front, because if we did, we'd be here till mid-afternoon and you'd burn the roast chicken. But we should all come wanting to participate and expecting that it could be us and expecting that actually God could use us in a particular morning. You see, we're all priests. We've all got that relationship with God. It's not that we have to come through anybody else. In the Old Testament times, you couldn't approach God. You had to go through the priest. Now, the Bible tells us that we're, we've all got that opportunity to approach God. We're all priests. We can all come to him. So come wanting to participate. Come expectant to meet with God. Come, come ready to worship. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, 18, he says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, often we use that verse in a personal context. Don't we? we say to somebody, be filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And it's right we do, do, do use it like that. But what Paul is doing, he's addressing a church here. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He's saying corporately to the church, he's saying, listen, don't get drunk on wine. That leads to debauchery. In, instead, are you better? Be filled with the Spirit. And it's a corporate thing. It's a together thing. It's a gathering thing. It's saying, when you gather as the church, when you meet together, when you're together in that place, be filled with the Spirit. It's a together verse. It's a gathering verse. It's right that we use it personally, but it's more than that. It's got a greater depth and a greater meaning than that. It's a, it's a corporate thing. And Paul, Paul is saying, be filled with the Spirit together. And what would happen if we were filled with the Spirit together? You'd expect together there would be manifestations of the Spirit, wouldn't you? Be it spiritual gifts, and we'll come on to those in just a second. And encountering with God, because together we are being filled with His presence. Together we are being filled with the Spirit. That's what Paul is expecting and talking about here. But as well as the... uh, the verse there in Ephesians. We also get a very helpful passage in, in 1 Corinthians. Maybe you're familiar with it. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And Paul is again giving some instructions to a different church on this occasion. These are the guys in Corinth. And he's talking to them about what they should do when they gather together. And he says in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 14, What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, i.e. when you gather When you come together, everyone has a hymn or word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. And he goes on. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time. And someone must interpret. We talked about that a little bit earlier. And then he goes on with other instructions that we'll come to in a second. The the, uh, English Standard Version of the Bible translation puts it like this. It says, What then, brothers... When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. And uh, as I was studying it this week, I thought, I really like that translation. So what does it mean? What's Paul saying to us here? Well, firstly, we have a hymn or song. And that doesn't mean it's just from the band. It means you can start a song from the congregation as well. And I want to encourage that. 
obviously be sensitive to the Spirit. Be sensitive to what God is doing. If we're in a, in a, in a quiet time of meditative worship, that's not the time to start, you know, praises waiting for you in this place, for example, as we were saying earlier. <laughs> You know, and vice versa as well. So be sensitive to what was going on, what the Spirit is doing amongst us. But I want to urge us, let's be starting songs together. It doesn't just have to come from the front. It can be for all of us to do that. Don't worry about the key. You know, I'm supposedly musical, and I often start songs in wrong keys, as we discovered when we were uh, practicing a little earlier. But that's okay. It doesn't matter. Much better that we have a bit of a laugh about that and carry on in a different key than nothing happens at all. It's okay, we're family, that's, that's fine. The challenge to the worship leaders, and I include myself in this, is not to over-prepare. So if you lead worship, don't over-prepare, because the danger is you just want to go through a list of songs. I know that when I've got, I'm leading, I'm thinking, oh, I've got this list of songs, and actually it's not about going through a list of songs, it's about encountering God. So you can help in that in terms of starting songs, a hymn or a song. Secondly, it talks about a lesson. Or in word of instruction, as the NIV puts it. And I was thinking about this, thinking, well, what does that mean? What's a lesson? Well, you can interpret it different ways, I guess. But what I felt God speak to me about this week was testimonies. Testimonies. What has God done for you? What has God done for you in your life this week? I think it's great to have some testimonies. So I want to encourage us, let's go for testimonies. Particularly healing testimonies. You know, I know I often pray for people... And often I'll hear back some weeks later, oh yeah, God did something. Something changed there. I was healed of this. Or something, you know, God did something in my body or in my, in my life. Well, we want to hear those sort of stories, those sort of testimonies. So let's make sure we're, we're, we're hearing those and sharing those. He goes on in Revelation. That might be a prophetic word about God's character, for example. Paul says, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening encouragement and comfort. He goes on, he who prophesies edifies, which means builds up the church. That's good, isn't it? Who'd like to be strengthening, encouraging and comforting one another? Any takers on that one? We'd tick that box, wouldn't we? Who wants to build up the church? We'd tick that box as well. Listen, we can do that as we bring the prophetic word that God gives us. Prophecy is God speaking to us, or maybe God giving us a fresh realisation of biblical truth. Let's be very clear. Prophecy does not, will not, and cannot contradict Scripture. So that's the first test of it. Does it line up with what God has already said? But let's, let's go for the, the prophetic. Now, it might be that you, know, you have a prophetic song. It might be that you feel God has given you some prophetic words to bring. You can bring it in a variety of ways. Often I find that it's a bit of a stirring inside. And I have to then work out, well, how shall I bring it? Often that isn't so important as what it is that God wants to say. You could bring it in the third person or the first person. And by that I mean either you can say, well, I feel God wants to say this to us, that, that he wants to remind us of his love, he wants to remind us of his care for us, for example, if that was the theme of it. Or you might bring it in the first person. You might say, well, I feel God wants to say this to us. I want to remind you of my love and my care for you. I want to remind you. And you'd go on like that. And you could sing it in both ways as well. But bring it with humility. Bring it with humility. No, a good, good way to start is, oh, I feel God wants to say this to us. 
Bring it with humility. You don't need a prophetic voice. And you don't need to say, Thus saith the Lord, either at the beginning or the end. <laughs> often I found when people say, Thus saith the Lord, in a very strange prophetic voice, it often isn't the Lord saying it at all. <laughs> so let's bring it with humility. You know, none of us are perfect in this, but we're all vessels that God uses for the comfort, encouraging, building up, edifying, strengthening of one another and for the church. If you feel you've got something directional to bring, then don't bring it publicly. Come and share it with the elders first. If you, if you feel you've got something um, more judgmental to bring, again, share it with us first so we can weigh it and help you to understand what God might be saying to us. But let's be open to what God has for us like this. We want to provide a safe and a secure environment for us to meet with God and us to encounter him. Tongues and interpretations. We had uh, that a little bit earlier. Singing or speaking in tongues is our spirit inspired by the Holy Spirit speaking or singing to God. That's what it is. Tongues is a, either an unlearned earthly language or certainly an unlearned heavenly one. And it's a Godward thing. If prophecy is God speaking to us, tongues is our spirit speaking or singing to God. It's, it's in that direction, if you like. So both tongues and interpretations are in that direction. And I guess there's three ways in that works as we, we gather. It might be that we, we all sing out in tongues together. Uh, that's sort of a great cacophony of sound. It, that's, a, that's a great way often of stirring up other gifts as we sing in the Spirit and sing out together. That doesn't need interpreting. It's just us all singing out individually to God together, if you like. Secondly, it might be when someone speaks or sings out in a tongue. And that does need to be interpreted, as the, as the passage in Corinthians already said. And so in worship, if somebody speaks or prays out, sorry, rather speaks or sings in a tongue, we'd, we'd wait and we'd, say, we'd ask God for the interpretation. And it's not a translation. It, one might be short and the other long. That's okay. It's an interpretation of what has been shared. And thirdly, during personal worship, you just might run out of words. And it's your spirit speaking or singing to God. Tongues often stir up the other gifts. And we need to make sure we leave space for other gifts as well. But remember, all these contributions should be building up. Building up the church. Building up one another. So let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And sensitive to what he's doing amongst us. Learning to hear from him. Learning to share with with one another, willing to submit to one another, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, submitting to those leading the meeting, because the reality is there won't be time for everybody to bring something, but we should come with an expectation that it might be us that does, and come with a hope that God would use us in that way on that particular Sunday. Next week we're going to talk about gathering to grow, and part of growing in God is growing in his word. And part of growing in God is growing in his spirit as well. We're talking about word and spirit next Sunday. And we're talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit because to be able to bring these, these spiritual gifts, you know, you need to be, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we'll be talking about that next Sunday. But as we wrap up, let's remind ourselves, we're created for worship. It's our highest calling. It's the first commandment. Summarized to Jesus in Luke 10 is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your might. 
It's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it, really? That's what we're created for. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So I want to urge us, let's love God. Let's gather to worship him. Let's be seeking to make a real contribution to that in terms of going after his presence, coming ready and expectant to worship him, kind of wanting to engage with him. So I want to encourage us, don't just let your worship experience be observational. Get in the game. We need you to bring your contribution. You have a contribution to bring. In the tough times, it might be that your contribution is your presence. It might be it's just being here. That might be your contribution. In the good times, your contribution might be testifying to what God has done for you, bringing some of the spiritual gifts that we've talked about. In the good times, you can encourage others. But the reality is, at all times, whether good or bad, we're called to worship God. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. In the dark times, as we worship, as we encounter God, that's often when God meets us. As we bring that sacrifice of praise, that's often when God breaks through and sets free. That's certainly been my experience. Now, in difficult times, as I've pressed into God, wanting to be faithful to his word and offering that sacrifice of praise, that's when God has broken through. That's when God has brought healing. That's when I've been able to encounter God and move on. Let's gather to him. Let's gather to worship. And as we do that, in the next few weeks, we'll talk about then gathering to grow and gathering to go in order that we might make a difference for him. Can we stand together? And I'm going to pray as we close. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you gather the disciples to yourself. You gather that group around you. And you thank you now, Lord, that you call us to gather to you. Thank you that we just don't come to a place or come to a band or, or me or anybody else. But, Lord, we gather to you. And we want to say again, Lord, that we want to commit ourselves to gathering to you. Lord Jesus, we want Jubilee to be about gathering to you in order that, Lord, that we might encounter your presence, we might worship you in spirit and truth, that you might impact our lives and might change us for your glory. So we pray that you do those things, Lord. Help us in every contact, context as we gather together for you to be right in the very center of it. Help us, Lord, to receive these things we've talked about today in order that you might build us together for your glory, Lord. You might build a great church in this city that honors you that loves Jesus, sees the lost saved, and culture transformed. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Remember to vote. Be praying about who to vote for. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday at 10 o'clock. Sunday morning.